Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a driver reach and freight waves production. I'm Leah Shaver, president and CEO of the National Transportation Institute. In Jeremy's absence, I'm excited to be your guest host. On this show, we interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. Your feedback is very important to us. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you are using to listen. Today, I'm especially honored to be chatting with the Chief Sustainability Officer of J.B. Hunt, Craig Harper. It is so good to see you again, Craig. Hello, Leah. It's always good to see you. I'm, I'm really glad to have this time to rely on your expertise and to share it with our listeners. So I appreciate you joining me today. My plan for the conversation is to learn about your role and its impact on the trucking industry, chat about J.B. Hunt's transitions over the years to more attractive careers for trucking professionals, review some takeaways on incorporating the cost of labor into key conversations, get your take on driver communications with our Deeper Dive segment, and quite possibly tap into your crystal ball as we look for insight into the future of electric and autonomous vehicles in our industry. That's a lot to unpack. So what do you say we get started? Let's go. Okay. Craig, Chief Sustainability Officer is a title and role that's made a lot of inroads across the business world over the last decade. But it's not all that common yet in the trucking world. So tell us what your title means, what your work entails in your role, and why other trucking companies should consider adding a similar role at their firm. Yeah, you know, I you really have to go back to about three years ago. We started getting a lot of questions about what are you doing in the world of sustainability? And those questions would come from investors as well as our employees and our customers. And what we learned was we were not doing a good job of telling people what we were doing. And so it's really telling the story, being more transparent. And that's, that's part of what we've been doing the last few years. Well, I want to talk more about that story because uh, that's right in line with my next question. I obviously do want to deep uh, dive into your thoughts on vehicles and technology components of your job. But before we do that, let's talk more about the people story. The percentage of J.B. Hunt drivers who are home weekly and often even home daily has grown tremendously over the last few years. As the fourth largest trucking company in America, explain what that process looks like. Why did the company shift in that way? And how does that tie in with your role of sustainability, which I also see as focusing on the inclusion for people, the importance of work-life balance and company culture, all while meeting the future needs of your shipper customers? Yes, so many times you and I have been together on panels, Leah, and people ask us about what drivers want and and what are we going to do to attract more in the industry and to reduce turnover. And I share with the folks Drivers want the same things that you and I want. They want to be home with their family. They want to earn a fair wage for the work they do. They want to be respected in the job that that they do. And what we see with having more of these dedicated and intermodal jobs, we're able to offer that job that provides the work-life balance that all of us are after. Just not drivers, but all of us are after. And, and that's what we've been able to, to put out there for, for the drivers. And we've been able to grow, uh, you know, uh, in great numbers in intermodal and in dedicated. And a large part of that is because we've been able to attract those drivers into those positions. And not only attract them into those positions, but uh, keep those drivers in those positions. And we all know you keep the drivers, you keep the drivers happy, keep the customer happy. And it's just like a big flywheel. It, keep, it keeps on moving around and gaining more and more momentum. 
Absolutely. Well, let's tie that into the rest of the industry then. From my perspective, J.B. Hunt's driving jobs today are what we said a few years ago would be the jobs of tomorrow. Many fleets, especially those who operate a few dozen or even a few hundred trucks, always have so much to worry about in the here and now. And they have a hard time looking out at the next few years, trying to plan for what the industry could or would look like. What should fleets be evaluating and doing to prepare their operations for the driving job of tomorrow? What do you think recruiting drivers will look like? What's your advice in general to other carriers that are trying to plan for the future? Well, one thing is we plan for the future. We need to take care of the now. And you you take care of the now by taking care of those people who are with you today. And that doesn't have to have some new invention or some new technology. It's getting out there and being visible with the people today and and communicating with those people, telling those people what's going on, uh, not only with your company, but also in the industry. And I know we we have a a great push here at J.B. Hunt to do that, to communicate out to the entire employee base. And now that you have tools that you never had before, you know, we have a drive app where we can share information. You have video just like we're doing today, but there's different ways you can communicate with the drivers and, and tell them the story. Now, as far as what the future looks like, I think there's uh, the cast kind of out of the back. With uh, COVID, I think it, it showed people that there's a lot of industries that were are out there where people can work from home. And we know that drivers are got to be out there doing the work on the road, as well as the mechanics, as well as the fuel stop providers, as well as many of our uh, operators out in the field. But there's going to be this continued pressure to have more work-life balance, to have more flexibility in a work schedule. And we're all going to have to learn to, to live with that. You know, we have some, uh, we call them wraparound shifts, you know, where uh, people can work a, a four-day schedule instead of the five-day schedule. And they, they work over the weekend, but then they have more time off during the week. So we're, we're all going to have to be more flexible and communicate with our employees because the, the work still has to get done. Right. So there's no sugarcoating that we've got to do the work, but there's got to be a way to do the work in such a manner that your employees feel like they have, uh, you know, some say in exactly how that work does get performed. Uh, I want to touch on what you said about driver wants and being similar to ours. You have heard me probably at least 40 times say that the biggest challenge that fleets face is people. We just had a conversation about empathy and support for your people when we were together a couple weeks ago. As a motor carrier or private fleet, I think your people go through a lot of different things, sometimes all at once, from illnesses to family issues to bankruptcy, divorce, childcare needs, the joys of life are incorporated in there as well. New kids, marriages, vacations, graduations. So from a practical standpoint, how do you think fleets can best support their people in an empathetic and accessible way throughout all those those different life events, but as you said, continue to get the job done? Yeah, I think you've got to really work hard to uh, try to understand what these people are going through. And, you know, I've seen you make mention that until you've gone through certain stages in life or experienced certain things, don't kid yourself. You, you can't truly put yourself in those people's shoes until you experience it firsthand. But if you build that relationship with someone and you get to understand what's so important to them, and then when you see them going through a, a tough time and you identify with that and you, you understand 
that these are not Alpacos and truck numbers out there. These are moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles, nephews and nieces, and that somebody is counting on them getting home safely each day and really identify with them when they when they have a family emergency, whether that's a child with an appendectomy or whether that's uh, the death of a loved one, and then jump through hoops to try to take care of that individual. Or when you go out with them when they're giving school supplies out, we have our uh, Adopt-A-Class program, and you see that these drivers are proud of their job and who they work for and what they can do, and they see their their granddaughter or grandson just look up to them with a big old grin and be able to say, that's my grandpa. So I, I think just, again, put yourself in their shoes as much as you can to understand, get to know these folks, get to know their, their husband's name, their wife's name, their kids' names. And the more you can identify with them, and just like I was talking about going out in the field and and seeing these experiences firsthand or when we bring them to corporate and celebrate, like with our two and three and four and five million mile drivers. And again, you see them giving high fives to people as they're walking down those stairs and everybody's yelling and clapping and screaming. You see some of them have tears in their eyes because they've never seen so much appreciation for them. And I love it for the drivers because they get uh, this appreciation shown to them. But I I love it for our other employees just as much because now they get to see what it means to these drivers to have somebody that shows care for them. And I always say, you know, respect is showing someone you're going to work as hard for them as they do for you. And when we're able to somehow show these drivers that, hey, we're back here, we're your support team, and that they can honestly believe that. And they can say when they see something going wrong out there that they can say in their own mind, hold on a second. I know Sarah wouldn't let me sit like this. I know she's got to be working behind the scenes to get me rolling again, get me out of the shop. I know Sam's trying to work hard to get this load reworked because I'm overweight right now. And so that's where you start building this trust and working together. Well, I want to stay with this topic for one more beat before we move on. With the driving job that's changing and shifting almost away from over the road and longer haul, let's talk about driver wages. At NTI, we promote that folks that are operating fleets should incorporate the cost of labor, not only within human resources, compensation, recruiting departments, but within pricing and sales departments as well. That way, the cost of labor is not only communicated, but it's part of the business structure itself. Give us some insight into how you see driver compensation programs changing as the job itself changes, and how does that get incorporated into conversations with fleet customers? You know, we see that on an ongoing basis because when we price a dedicated contract, we're able to show what we believe we're going to have to charge that customer to be able to take care of that business, to put the equipment in. Do they need a two-to-one trailer ratio? Do they need specialized equipment? Uh, When do they need the drivers? Is this a night shift job? Is this a weekend job? And so what we can do is look at all the factors of the job, and we can build out what we believe it's going to take to be able to not only attract, but retain great drivers, great skilled professional drivers in that job. And then we can share that with the customer. And so many times our dedicated business can continues to grow just as our intermodal business grows as well. 
But our dedicated business is really surging. It's because of the service that we give our customers, our retention rate is extremely high, 98% plus. And we have that because of the great service we give. And we have that great service because we have those great drivers. And you get the great drivers by being able to lay that job out and be sure that the drivers know what to expect when they come in. Is it a weekend job? Is it working at nights? Or is it five days a week all during the day? But whatever the job is, be sure that they know what that job is up front and what the pay is going to be and that it is a a very good wage for the the work that they do. And it's got to be competitive. You know, you can't just set a wage out there and you go and you price that to the customer and expect them to buy anything. You have to show them what it's going to take and why it's going to take that. And so I think there's going to be uh, more and more transparency in what the overall costs are of, of the goods and the cost of fuel and the cost of labor and that how important that labor is. You know, there's uh, a lot of value in being able to keep that truck full out there hauling freight. And the way you do that is you you have the job, again, that attracts and re- retains that driver. And so many people don't, they say they get that, but they don't really get that. And what are they willing to do to be able to keep that truck full with skilled professional drivers? And that's where you've got to pay a very good wage and you have to go out there to the customer and show them why you need that wage. I, I don't disagree with anything that you said. And um, from a, from a driver perspective and then from a business perspective as to why dedicated has really grown so much just in our industry as a whole. And I'm sure and, you know, likewise at J.B. Hunt is because not only do you have that predictability of, of schedule and, and routine, um, but we can we can all really admire and respect just what it takes to have a driver stay in a particular role. When we see the same folks over and over again, um, that empathy continues to grow amongst our customers as well. It's time for our it's time for our deeper dive segment where we take a question from our listener audience. And I think that you'll uh, smile at this one. Um, Craig, I've heard you on SiriusXM giving out your cell phone number to every driver in North America. I think that's unique, but it also speaks to accessibility of leadership at your company by anyone and everyone. Why did you start doing that? And what has been the result of doing so? Thanks. Well, well, why do I do that? You, you hit on it in part of the question. It's the accessibility. You know, I know when, when I experience a problem, you know, I want to be able to get in touch with someone, whether that's flight being delayed or whether my car's taking longer to get out of the shop or whatever else. And that's what, again, I don't think drivers are any different. They, they want the same things you and I want. They want, they want to know what's going on. And so, yeah, I started giving out my uh, phone on uh, the radio many years ago, more than 15 years ago. And it, it's uh, been uh, the genesis of some very interesting phone conversations. I've had uh, some drivers that call and just say, hey, I want to know if that's really you. And then I've had others that uh, are drivers that used to be with J.B. Hunt that would like to come back. I've had others that were J.B. Hunt drivers that got frustrated and left the job and wanted to tell me why. I've had uh, drivers call wanting a job. And I, I love when that happens. So I'm able to get them over to some of the folks that can talk about each and every job we have. So I just felt like it was a way to show people that we were accessible and that we weren't running from issues. And I don't have the answer for every question. 
if uh, there's 10 questions, six of them, I think I could give you answers for and you would understand where we're coming from. There'd probably be two questions I'd have. So I got to go research that. And then there'd be two. I'd say, you know what? If we're doing that, we need to change that right away. So it's uh, you always learn by, by talking to folks. And I think it starts with being accessible, being a listener. And that goes for our own employees as well as people in, outside in the industry. And just uh, hopefully it shows my appreciation for all drivers, not just J.B. Hunt drivers, but all drivers that are doing the tough work each and every day in this profession. I would say it also promotes that respect component that you mentioned earlier. Okay, it's time to shift away from people and also talk about electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. As Chief Sustainability Officer at one of the largest fleets in the world, evaluating these types of technologies, how to incorporate them, what their impact will be on your company and your people, as well as the industry at large is a huge piece of your job. So let's start with electric vehicles, electric trucks specifically. Tell me about your work at J.B. Hunt on those fronts, whether you've deployed any electric vehicles yet, are you testing them? What are your thoughts so far if you have been testing them? Well, one thing, you go back to what our mission statement is, is to create the most efficient network in North America. And to do that, to be efficient, electric offers a lot of advantages there over the diesel. The problem is uh, it's not totally ready yet. And we say that because of several factors. One, on electric, starts off still very high cost. Also, it weighs more. You don't have the range. Um, you don't know uh, where you're going to get that energy. Where, where are you going to fuel? It takes longer to fuel. You know, even with a, a fast charge, it's going to take 30 minutes or more. Slow charge, you could take eight hours or more. So we have to still uh, get through many, many hurdles. And then uh, also on the, the charge, how, where is that charge coming from? How green is that charge? Is it coming from renewables or is it coming from coal or coming from natural gas? So there, there's a lot of questions that still need answers in the electric vehicles. But we are very interested in it. I'm a, an optimist. I think it's going to happen. Uh, we have many trucks on order. It's no secret. We ordered some of the Tesla trucks back in 2017. We have some electric tr uh, trucks coming from uh, both uh, Freightliner and also Navistar. So can't wait to get our hands on them. We've tested many trucks, but we'll actually be taking delivery of trucks later this year and into next year. And I, I love driving them. I love riding in them. It's uh, when you drive the truck, it drives very much like a golf cart, meaning you step on the pedal and the truck takes off. There's no delay. There's no uh, going through the gears and going through all that surging as it goes through each gear. It's smooth. You, you don't smell like diesel at the end of the day from uh, refueling your truck. It's, it's quiet. Uh, so quiet, as a matter of fact, I think some of the OEMs are going to have to put some kind of noise generator on there because, uh, you, gosh, um, it, when when it pulls up beside you, you don't even hear it coming. So there's a lot of benefits in it. And uh, yes, there are many challenges, but I can always point out that I'm glad people didn't give up on the cell phone back when I had a bag phone or else I wouldn't have, you know, the iPhone that I have today that I can carry around like a, a computer in my pocket. So, uh, or a flat screen TV. Remember when they first came out, You'd say the list price is twenty thousand dollars. I don't know anybody that bought one at that, but that's what they were. They went to ten thousand dollars, went to five thousand. I think I bought my first one at eighteen hundred dollars, and now, gosh, you can buy that t 
television, even better than the one I bought for probably $600 and it way less than the whole bit. So the technology is going to continue to improve because companies are working on this across the globe and from the automobile side to the truck side, but it's not quite there yet. But that doesn't mean that you don't get some and you don't try them. We need to have some in our hands and start operating these vehicles so we can see firsthand just how much is the range. Is it 250 miles or is it more like 200 miles? What does it do in cold weather? Does the 250 miles go to 180 or what? So we just got to see some of those things. Well, the current administration wants to see that half of all vehicle sales by 2030 are electric vehicles. But my question is, what are your thoughts about the grid and its capabilities to handle the needs of electric vehicles? You know, it's um, that that remains to be seen. You know, when you you hear about the, the stories coming out of California, asking folks to keep their thermostat on 78 and asking people not to charge their vehicles yet, putting in uh, or proposing policy that would um, have X amount of electric vehicles by a certain date. We've got to be careful of all that. You know, I think uh, uh, Bill Gates said it very well in his book, How to Avoid a Climate Crisis. And he said that uh, technology and markets and policy all need to come together at the same time. And I just spoke a few moments ago about the, the technology isn't quite there yet. It will get there, but it isn't quite there yet. So we need to be careful to not set policy that doesn't go hand in hand with the technology and therefore the markets. Meaning if people can't have access to the product, if they can't utilize it because they can't get it recharged, or if they can't use it because it doesn't make economic sense, then there's a big problem. Because sustainability, we all have a definition of what that means in our mind. But uh, keeping the environment clean is very important. To, I believe all of us think we'll all say that. But to do that, the company has to be sustainable too. Because you can have all the best ideas, the best wishes, the best dreams. But if the company is not here, if you're not here to continue to to carry those out, then it doesn't matter what those were because it won't happen. So we we have to run hard. We need to run fast. We need to understand there is a problem. We need to find a a better way to, to move goods and people across the globe. And we have technology coming there. You you have engines that continue to get cleaner and cleaner all the time. You have renewable uh, diesel, biodiesel, and you have battery electric coming to shape. And also soon behind that, you're going to see hydrogen fuel cell. So the technology is coming. And believe me, lots of people are working on this. And it's a fast race to see who's going to get there first. And I'm excited about it. Let's just uh, be sure that we're, we're doing this as it makes sense and that we can all um, abide by it and live by it and survive by it. Okay. Let's talk about autonomous. You and I spoke on a panel a couple of weeks ago at the FTR conference in Indy. You were pretty firm that autonomous trucks would not displace the driving job. And you mentioned a few reasons. I also think there's a widespread messaging problem and communication problem with how the media, how carriers and how suppliers Talk about autonomous vehicles and their potential impact on the driving job. So give us your thoughts on autonomous vehicle deployment and what impact you see them having 
or not having on drivers' livelihoods and how the industry can do a better job communicating with drivers about autonomous trucks and the understanding of them. Yeah. You know, th- I think this goes back to one thing we were talking about earlier is just com- be sure and communicate with people and tell them what you know and what you see coming on. And, you know, with with this, I can say uh, autonomous trucks, I think you're going to see some in the near future. But here's what I believe you'll also see, that with autonomous trucks hauling some freight in specific lanes and certain types of freight, any driver that is a driver today is going to be able to retire a driver. You know, I've ridden with many drivers through the years. I've gone out to the fast food restaurant where the truck pulls up on a, a small lot and you get out and you uh, work quick and fast to get a few pallets off to put them in the, the back of the store for the for the fast food restaurant. I've gone and where we delivered uh, roofing shingles to a home and gotten that uh, that material off the back of the flatbed truck with, you know, a loading device. Um, I've gone with drivers on trucks delivering grain to deer farm. You know, there's just all these jobs where there's so many driver centric functions and so many jobs that a driver does that are going to be hard to automate. Now, as far as some of the, the freight that's located next to interstate or from a hub to hub that uh, is, easy to uh, have loaded and unloaded. Uh, I do see some of that freight moving in an autonomous manner. And you're still going to have to have uh, drivers do certain tasks on that freight. So what does it all mean for the future of driving? You know, there's a, a firm that I quote frequently, Roland Berger, who's done a study on this. And they show that um, the impact that if you go off the 2019 numbers of 3.2 million trucks out there on the road, they said by 2035, just with the growth in freight, that 3.2 million tractors would grow to 4.1 million. Okay, with autonomous trucks, and they give three different scenarios, a mid-rate adoption, a, a slow, slow rate adoption, a mid-rate adoption, a fast adoption. With mid-rate adoption, they say possibly 400,000 trucks on the road by 2035, which sounds like a lot. But even with 400,000 autonomous trucks on the road by 2035, their work shows that you need more skilled professional drivers on the road in 2035 than you have today. So the, the short answer is, hey, we're going to need skilled professional drivers for a long time. So, yeah, I don't have any problem uh, talking about that to any driver. You know, you can't stand in the way of technology. Technology is going to be here. It's going to impact all of our lives in certain ways. But we're all going to find a way to continue to to work hard, have great jobs. And the, the demand for the drivers is going to continue to be there. Sounds like we need to keep upskilling, keep training, teaching and certainly uh, keep recruiting drivers. Absolutely. And I'm proud to say that uh, and your work shows this, that the driving job has gained more respect momentum and pay in the last few years and a long, long time. And maybe you can maybe comment on this. If ever, if we've ever seen this sort of a, a sort of a rebound in the, the way that wages have gone up. And I'm, I love seeing it. I love seeing the respect that the drivers are getting today. And we know that a lot of it came out of the pandemic. And we all have our stories about how hard the drivers worked and the sacrifices that they made as they continued to be out there working while the rest of us didn't know how this country or the world was going to survive this pandemic. So 
it did bring the drivers into the conversations in daily life. And people started to know uh, terms such as supply chain and what that, what that means. So, yes, we need uh, all the drivers that we can attract into this industry. And we will need many, many drivers for a future. And uh, so, by all means, bring your uh, nephew, your niece, your cousin, your spouse, or whoever into this and show them that this is a great industry and one that is a fantastic way to provide a living uh, for yourself and for your loved ones. And I would imagine that J.B. Hunt is hiring. Uh, it's a good thing you didn't give out your cell phone number today, Craig, because I think we've got a lot more questions we'd love to ask, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Okay. Well, I appreciate you having me. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the work that you are doing in the industry, and I wish you and the J.B. Hunt team much success. Thank you for having me, Leah. You're welcome. Thanks to you for joining me on another episode of Taking the Higher Road. Remember that you can submit any questions or comments, including those that appear on the upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road. Mm-hmm.